I think, a fluid transition between virtual, augmented, extended realities is also probably on the cards. The company made a decision to not extend the lease anymore. This virtual office is our new office. Hello and welcome to Insight Story, the podcast designed to give you real insight into the tech you need to know about, especially if you're in business and making decisions about your strategy. Each time we unpack a current hot tech trend, we talk to an expert to help us understand it and get up to speed on the latest developments. Plus, we talk to someone in business who is using the technology and find out how it works in the real world. We want to give you the most useful information we can to help you decide on your company's next step. This time we're asking, how could extended reality transform your business? You're almost certainly familiar with the term virtual reality and the idea of putting on a headset to play a game in a computer-generated world. You may also have heard of augmented reality and mixed reality or even extended reality. In fact, there now seems to be so many versions of reality, you might feel that you're losing your grip on it. But the reality is that this technology is playing a bigger and bigger role in so many different areas of life, which means we all need to know more about it, especially if we're leading a business. In a minute, I'll be joined by two experts who can give us some insight into how this tech works and what it's being used for. But first, let's make sure we're all on the same virtual page. Dolly, are you really there? Hello, I am Dolly, your Insight Assistant. How can I help you today? Oh, you are. Great. So we need to know what all these terms mean. Can you give us some definitions? Yes. In 1994, researchers Paul Milgram and Fumio Kishino first introduced something they called the reality-virtuality continuum. This is a scale that has complete reality at one end and complete virtuality at the other. Okay, that makes sense. Virtual reality, or VR, is the best known. It means immersing yourself in an entirely computer-generated digital space. Usually, you would be using a headset and controlling your environment with haptic controllers that make sounds and vibrate. Ah, that sounds familiar. So people use it for playing games. Yes, but it is being used in many other areas. Okay, I think we're going to find out more about that in a bit. So what else happens on this scale? Between the two ends of the continuum is mixed reality, or MR. This includes augmented reality, AR, which uses a device like a mobile phone to add a virtual layer on top of the real world. For instance, letting you see how a paint color would look on your wall or adding an architectural tour to a street. Or trying on sunglasses. If you like, there is also augmented virtuality, AV, which integrates real-world objects into a virtual space. A Zoom or Teams background is a good example. Thank you, that's really helped a lot. So what about your world? What would you call it? Real? Virtual? Is there anything else I can help with? (sighs) No, you've been great. I don't know why Dolly has to be so secretive. So, it's definitely time to hear from two people who are more than willing to tell us what they know about this fascinating and fast-developing technology and what it can do. First of all, Dr Paul Tennant is an Associate Professor of Computer Science, part of the Mixed Reality Laboratory at the University of Nottingham, and he's Creative Director of Nottingham's Virtual and Immersive Production Studio. He's an expert in all aspects of virtual and mixed reality, specialising particularly in the arts. And he's speaking to us from the UK. 
Hi, Paul. Hi, Susie. Very nice to meet you. And David Kim is in charge of business development at the Soma Development Company, part of property tech company Zigbang, which has created a virtual co-working solution. He's joining us from Seoul in Korea. Hi, David. Hi, Susie. Nice to be here. So, Paul, Dolly kindly gave us some definitions of different parts of this virtuality reality continuum. Uh, But could you help us flesh things out a bit and also give us an idea of which areas of this technology there is the most focus on at the moment? So we've got these two ends, reality and virtuality. And all the way along between those two spaces are all the different technologies we use. Perhaps the most familiar one, virtual reality. Generally, the idea is that we are replacing our senses with something else. So we're replacing our vision with putting a screen really close to our eyes. We're replacing our hearing with a pair of headphones, often noise-cancelling headphones. And if we're getting really fancy, we might be replacing our senses of touch using some technology called haptics. If we slide down the spectrum towards the reality end, we run into something called augmented reality, based around the idea of you put digital content into the real world. If, for example, you have the IKEA app on your phone, what that allows you to do is to browse the IKEA catalogue, but then it allows you to place those objects in 3D in your real room to see what they would look like, to see how much space they would take up. I mean, there's some great examples of, of augmented reality out there from Snapchat filters, where you, you hold a camera up and it you know, draws a dog around your head or turns you into a geriatric person. Pokemon Go, it's kind of geographical augmented reality. You can go and find a little Pikachu and it's sitting there in the street exactly where it should be. And as you move your camera around, it stays where it should be. In the middle of the spectrum, we have something called augmented virtuality. It's where you take a virtual world and you insert aspects of the real world into it. I want to perhaps see my hands in virtual reality. I can hold my hands up, track the position of my hands, maybe use what's called a punch-through camera to show my real hands in that space. Or I might want a real person to walk into the space and to interact with that real person. There's a few other versions of the uh, acronyms around here. We have uh, assisted reality. Assisted reality is generally there Uh, As a form of telepresence, it's there to allow somebody to wear a camera and have somebody else see the output of that camera, uh, where you might have an engineer who's observing what's going on and supporting the activities of another engineer in the field, perhaps somebody with a manual. A few other things, I mentioned telepresence. So you might have a 360-degree camera on a robot, and then you might be wearing a headset and you can look around and see the world from that robot's point of view. Suddenly I've got the ability to be somewhere I wasn't. And this is a form of extended reality as well. So you spoke about extended reality there. Um, and as we said, there are so many realities being talked about at the moment. So what's the current collective term for these technologies? There's a general term, which would be mixed reality. Mixed reality is really a catch-all term for um, everything from virtual reality at one end all the way down through augmented virtuality, augmented reality, stuff in the real world, telepresence, all of these kinds of things. Now I work in the mixed reality lab, so it's my preferred term. Sadly for my 21-year-old lab, the term that seems to be emerging is extended reality. Although I've also seen XR, which is the acronym for extended reality, used as cross-reality, but uh, I like mixed reality. Great. Well, thanks for explaining that to us. So turning to David, as someone who is exploring these technologies, in this case, specifically about how we find new ways of working, tell us a bit more about Soma. How did it all come about? The way it came about was, you know, due to the pandemic, companies started going remote. And as such, ours went remote as well. 
the first thing that we did was what everyone else was doing, which was just going into endless Zoom calls where you naturally fall into that Zoom fatigue that everyone talks about, just staring into a screen with a bunch of faces staring back at you. A core element there was missing was that sense of togetherness, getting together in the pantry and having that water cooler talk, talking about the weekend to the meeting we just had. You know, those small conversations we felt turned into bigger ideas. And we're kind of wondering if there's a way that we could better go about this whole remote thing. We had a few game developers within our company because some of our services require us to create 3D models of entire apartments so that you can kind of walk through the apartments. We kind of got a few of those developers together and we're like, hey, why don't we create an office that we could kind of go into together? And we started testing it out with a few of our developers. And then we thought it was good enough to bring in the whole company. And as we were using it full time, our lease came to an end in our large office in central Seoul. And the company made a decision to not extend the lease anymore. This virtual office is our new office. And the inspiration for Soma was this water cooler moment. How does that actually work in practice? Once you log into Soma, you're represented as an avatar. And the avatar has your camera feed on top of its head. But just like in real life, if you're very far away from somebody, you're not able to see or hear them. But as you walk closer and closer to them, you can start to kind of see their face. And then once you get really up close to somebody, that's when you get grouped together. And that's when you can start hearing their audio and seeing their face very clearly. So what we really wanted to create was that just by walking around, you're able to see these faces as you're passing by. Then you'll be able to notice, oh, I work with these people. You're actually putting a face to a name. And another thing is, as you're walking by, because you see people, you'll be like, oh, there's Paul over there. Let me go walk up to him. And then I'll just walk up to Paul and be like, Hey, Paul, how was your weekend? Oh, did you get that email? Instantaneous communication just started to work. And what we've noticed is as we started implementing this solution, you know, we obviously use messengers like Slack while we're working as well. But um, just like our data team was able to analyze and our overall message load dropped by almost 50%. What about when people want to do a bit more deep working? Because that's one of the benefits of, of not being in an office is not being interrupted and having people hanging around your desk. So how do you deal with those kind of interruptions? We specifically design spaces where people could kind of get away from people and get their work done when they need that. So, you know, we have a bunch of conference rooms that you could book out. And we also have things called Soma pods that are around the office. So that by walking into the pod, you're physically giving people your status by saying, when I'm at the pod, uh, you know, I just want to kind of get my work done on my own. I don't want to be disturbed. And we do actually have different statuses that you can set for yourself as well with the way mode and the call mode. But I think more people prefer to actually just use the spaces. So Paul, more industries are making use of different kinds of mixed reality now. Uh, Could you give us some other examples of the practical application of this kind of tech? Yeah, absolutely. So one of these is if you are an engineering company, particularly on-site installations, one of the things you might want to do is to keep your on-site engineers supported. I think I mentioned earlier on the notion of assisted reality. You would be able to have somebody sitting behind you, keeping an eye on what you're doing. But beyond assisted reality, augmented reality can really help you there. So a good example, if you were going to go and install a heat pump, it'd be really useful to be able to see the geothermal survey of the area before you drill a great big hole in it. So the ability to add layers of data in is something that we're already seeing engineering companies doing. Building companies are doing this as well, where they're kind of projecting out what a building is going to look like in the space to make sure that everything is kind of set where it should be and then projecting where the electrics are going to run, where the pipes are going to run. So construction is is absolutely using augmented reality, albeit 
very early days at the moment. Let's take warehousing. You've got a massive warehouse and you've got hundreds and thousands of shelves with locations of various objects. You could deliver to somebody on a little phone a message that says, go to shelf 417, aisle 37 and location B. Or you could, through a pair of augmented reality glasses, simply guide somebody to where they need to go. And that is absolutely happening in warehouses at the moment. Absolutely. And also this actually turns on to another topic that we cover in Insight Story. It's about how the machines and people can work together better. Are we starting to see that in the extended reality space? Yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing much more use of digital twins and virtual twins, uh, particularly of robots in an industry context. If you want to try out how a robot will fit in your warehouse, it's a lot easier to produce a digital twin of it first and look at how it's going to affect your workflows than it is to actually put the multi-million dollar robot in place. An interesting term I've see tossed around at the moment is cobots, uh, the collaborative robots, how we work with robots. And I believe this kind of technology is particularly useful in education and training because of its ability to simulate real situations that allow people to practice things without causing any harm. Could you give us a bit more about that? I think one of your examples involves something to do with animals. If you are learning to be a vet... You spend a certain amount of your time with your hand up a cow's bum. And for training veterinary scientists, what was developed was this virtual, it's called a haptic cow's bottom. And they were able to to create this this simulation experience where you could feel different contexts of the cow's bottom. So maybe you were feeling something cancerous. Maybe you were moving a calf. Virtual glasses were providing a, a view. So it looked like you had your hand up a real cow. That's a very silly example. But essentially a very serious example because it addresses quite a serious problem of teaching people. And we see this in medicine as well. These kind of point-based haptic systems can be used to imitate a scalpel cutting through skin. And you could really feel what that skin or those organs feel like. You could also use this for being a paintbrush or a tablet or perhaps a soldering iron or any number of other training skills. So great. So David, turning back to you, uh, what have there been the effects of rolling out SOMA? What are the benefits and have there been any downsides to these virtual offices? Uh, I think the biggest hurdle that a lot of companies faced when they were going remote was onboarding new hires. And in that aspect, being in this virtual space where everyone has a sense of presence was especially very helpful for them. Be like, oh, these are the coworkers that you're going to be working with. This is a this is the legal team that you might have to talk with quite frequently, just giving them that sense of presence. A second thing is we felt that our communication costs have gone down drastically. Uh, What I mean by communication costs is not like the actual monetary costs, but more of maybe the actual time that it takes to start talking with someone. In Soma, if I need to talk to you, I'll walk up to where you're sitting down. I'll see that you're at your desk and I can see through your camera feed if you're in a call, if you're looking busy. So the communication cost essentially went from five to 50 minutes to zero minutes. And because we're able to talk with each other in a more easier way, uh, people are more willing to start talking more, which means, you know, better communication within our company, you know, better culture. We get to know each other better. And, you know, that's clear benefits of having more communication. And uh, you talked about the cost of communication in terms of time and also you closed down your your building so you've saved the company bottom line money. But did you get any pushback maybe from existing employees about this this transition to this new way of working? Especially for employees that maybe don't have adequate space to work at home. I think a lot of people would rather prefer to be in an office where everything's set up for them. Companies paying for the AC 
you know, electricity bills, internet bills. Some people might have a big family and the family is always around, so they don't really have a space that's very private for them. That's one of the biggest pushbacks that we initially got. Our company thought of different ways to kind of handle that. One of it was creating a stipend for people to help them set up their home office. Another thing is because we are a prop tech company, we were pretty diligent in kind of setting up these small lounges across the main capital area of Seoul and you know the surrounding provinces where the majority of our employees were living. Employees are able to just jump into one of these lounges to start work that provided a bit of relief on that pushback. Sure. And what we can see here then is a bit of tension between uh, change and also how people use technology. So, Paul, do you see there's an uphill struggle with getting adoption to make this work in a workplace? People will use this technology for fun in gaming, but how how do we get them to do it at work? Yeah, there definitely is. I think there's a few key reasons for slowness in adoption. A lot of people's first experience of virtual reality was quite negative and might have made them feel quite bad. And the graphics might have not been that good. And that's put a lot of people off it as a technology. But it's worth remembering that all of those augmented realities are not the same thing as virtual reality. When we talk about XR, people get a notion in their head of a VR headset. And they don't think about the broader context. They don't think about augmented reality. They don't think about augmented virtual reality. They don't think about assisted reality. And they don't think about the kind of virtual worlds that uh, we've been hearing about with Soma. They just think about that headset and they think about, oh, I don't do that. It makes me feel sick. And they just think about games. Oh, it's just for games, isn't it? This is not. There's is a much wider opportunity around it. If you are conservative in decision-making and you are put off by an experience of poor virtual reality or not being able to beat your child at Mario Kart or whatever it might be, you will tend to be resistant to these technologies. And David, turning back to you, um, it's not just your company now that uses the Soma system. Who, who are your customers and what are the ways that they can get involved in the virtual office setup? We have a wide range of customers coming from whether they're bigger conglomerates to you know smaller startups. You know, Some places will use it just like us, kind of replacing their actual physical office and creating a virtual office instead. Some places go with the hybrid option where just for the employee's sake, they want to kind of retain a few days where the employees can work from home and where they want the employees to come to the office. And then it's an option where they could uh, still be connected with the employees that are working from home. Uh, another fun use case is a lot of maybe multinational companies are using this maybe as their main HQ. So on this part of the office, you have the Korea team. In this part, you have the US team. Here you have the Europe team and able to kind of just walk up to each other and talk with each other, even though they're not in the same space. Sure. We see that Soma is uh, still in its very, very early nascent days. What other developments do you have in the pipeline for it? So currently, the biggest things that we're trying to do is just trying to see how to make this work better for you as a workspace, whether that's functionality and making it more easier for people to log into it. We are trying to keep our overall customer count lower just so that we could you know be able to get a constant feedback and talk with them and be able to see what's working for them what's not so we could continuously optimize our product to maybe work in that environment where you know we could better connect people that are in the virtual space and the physical space together uh, because i think that aspect is going to be the biggest most important factor moving forward within the whole extended reality area the key to better future of work and just thinking then, Paul, about what's coming next, what are the trends that we should be looking out for that are applicable to businesses? 
So I think some of the key ones at the moment are a shift slightly away from virtual reality towards augmented reality. I think we're going to be seeing more and more of that. I think a fluid transition between virtual, augmented, extended realities is also probably on the cards quite soon. As the headsets are getting better, they're getting better cameras built into them. Whether I'm working, whether I'm entertaining myself, I think a fluid reality, which is part digital and part physical, is where we're going. That stuff is really exciting. The use of photogrammetry to create incredibly detailed representations of real spaces that I can suddenly add virtual content into. The other thing I think that's really critical that's just coming forward is the assisted reality devices. These very lightweight, very simple headset-mounted cameras, which are allowing people to communicate on-site in industry, absolutely critical. Great. Thank you so much, David and Paul, for joining me today. As this series is called Insight Story, we always ask our guests to bring one nugget, golden piece of insight of what you wish you knew when you started out on this journey or what you really wish businesses should know today about this technology. So should we start with you, David? What's your insights you'd like to share? Yeah, I think things are changing now, especially in the realm of work. Going into the digital transformation and being able to apply yourself, your organization, your company to kind of fit with those transformations. And I do think the companies that are more willing to look into those changes and implement those changes earlier on will be the ones that are more successful down the line. Sure. And Paul, what insight would you like to share with our listeners? Uh, For me, I think it's XR does not equal headsets. I think it's a really important thing to take away is that there is such a range of extended, of mixed reality technology out there. Everything from the smart mirror in your bathroom all the way through to really detailed headsets, to metaverse technologies, to the virtual environments that Solar have been working on. All of these things are mixed reality technologies. An awful lot of them don't require headsets. And it's very important to recognise that when we talk about these tech, we're not just talking about sticking a screen right next to your eyeballs. So a very big and real thank you to Paul and David for giving us their insight into the extraordinary world of extended reality and how it can touch our lives and businesses. And if you're enjoying these kinds of insights, then don't forget that you can read more stories on the topics we cover in Secure Futures. It's Kaspersky's digital magazine about innovative tech for innovative leaders. We've got articles about how empathetic AI can benefit your recruitment, how VR is being used in higher education, why your business probably needs a chief AI officer, and why businesses may not be ready just yet for the metaverse. You can find the link to Secure Futures in the Insight Story show notes. So there's no doubt that extended reality technologies offer extraordinary opportunities for a whole range of businesses, but we also have to think about how secure they are. To give us some insight into using these systems safely, I'm joined by Fabio Asselini, Head of Research in Latin America for Kaspersky's global research and analysis team known as GREAT. Hello, Fabio. Hello, Susie. Thanks for having me. Um, Have you seen in your research, Fabio, any examples of VR being a potential attack surface or place that hackers are interested in getting inside customer data? We are seeing some problems that uh, can impact the experiencing using a VR device. When we saw, especially during the pandemic, 
a boom of video conferences. We saw the rise of the so-called Zoom bombing when someone not allowed have uh, access to a conference call showing obscene or violent material while connected. And of course, it happens because uh, people are yet sharing their passwords in an openly way. And this problem can affect uh, VR devices as well, especially because people are still doing the same errors in sharing their passwords online. In such situation, you can face a Zoom bombing yet uh, while using a VR device. So from a corporate point of view, it comes back to all the hygiene issues about making sure that passwords are secure and VPNs. Yeah, in the corporate point of view, I think it's important for employees to be trained, to know that sharing a password is something not desirable in any, any way. And while you do it, you are making easily for cyber criminals to connect to such call. And we saw in the past a lot of cases where shared password was a big problem on corporate meetings. People not authorized, they log it in and they disturb it a lot, the call. So can we imagine the same happening on calls or with people using VR devices? So people and employees, they must be trained because this is an old problem that can be reproduced even on new devices and new technologies. And we heard from our experts talking about training, um, that uh, VR could be used as a training aid for various different industries like architecture or gaming or healthcare. Do you think there's a role for VR as a training aid for cybersecurity? Definitely. This is a, a very potential technology that can help a lot to learn new things. And it can definitely can be used to teach people regarding security problems or cyber attacks. You can use VR devices and VR technology to teach people how to deal with these problems. And I think this is something uh, very interesting and already available. Thank you very much to Fabio. And as he says, VR is still in the rear view mirror for most businesses. But cyber criminals are always waiting in the wings, ready to pounce as tech trends grow. Make sure your employees are kept safe and experiences in extended reality don't result in real-world data breaches. Fortunately, Kaspersky are here to help with solutions to protect against the most advanced threats. For one cybersecurity ecosystem for all your needs... Search Kaspersky Enterprise on your smart speaker or check the show notes. That's it for this edition of Insight Story, Tech Trends Unpacked, brought to you by Kaspersky. Now, sadly, this is the last in our current series, but you can find our other episodes on all the major platforms. So do go and check them out. We discover how smart energy tech can save you money, work out what digital trust really means, unblock blockchain and explore the wonderful world of extended reality. We also investigate how urgent it is that you get into the metaverse and get our heads around artificial intelligence and machine learning. Click follow to make sure you're the first to get season two. Plus, if you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and give us a review. We would love to know what you think. And it really helps people find us and get the benefits of all this useful insight. 
if you want to get ahead, you really can't afford to miss it. Till next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Ah,、oh, Dolly, thank you very much indeed for all your help this season. I'd love to get you something. That won't be necessary. Are you sure? A nice virtual bouquet, perhaps? Just before I go, I wanted to tell you about two other great series from Kaspersky that you might like. Fast Forward by Tomorrow Unlocked explores the past, present, and future of the technologies around us. Season one is out now with episodes about cities of the future, the new space race, and more. And season two drops this spring with six fresh new episodes, including augmented body technologies, how tech is changing family life, and women in gaming. Plus, if you want to hear the latest news and views from the world of cybersecurity, join Jeff Esposito in the US and David Buxton in the UK for Kaspersky Transatlantic. They chat security around current tech news and recent topics like the black market for ChatGPT and how gamers are fighting hackers. You'll find links to both these series in our show notes, but you'll also find them wherever you get your podcasts. So track them down and click follow so you don't miss an episode. <laughs>